I'm going to assume, if you're like anyone else, that you've witnessed a lot of serious violence in your lifetime. Well, at least on screen. Violence is more prevalent than ever before on TV and film, as it is, of course, in real life. What does that mean for us as a society? How about our youth? That time when most of us were first exposed to these depictions of violence. You're now going to hear a group of young participants retell from memory one of the most violent film scenes they have ever watched and choose if they would play victim, perpetrator, or bystander in the scene, and why. These young people are participants of a film and violence project called Direct Approach, which was initiated by the Danish artist Steen Marie Jacobsen in 2012, and has since traveled to many places around the world as a contemporary anti-violence method. I'll explain to you how the method works after you've heard the participants' cinematic witness reports. During their retellings, there may be some graphic language, but keep in mind that the violence has been altered by their memories. And, as far as spoiler alerts, well, you won't know if they're spoiling the film, because the speakers haven't watched the original film scene again, so there's no guarantee that the scenes will be the same as the original film. Unraveling the memory of a film scene is like unraveling a scene from real life. A film scene recalled from memory invariably consists of different aspects, including the participant's own worldview and their personal identification with the characters involved. So, while all characters appearing in this work are fictitious, any resemblance to real persons, living or dead, is no longer coincidental. Memory is filtered through subjective interpretation, and intrinsically we experience everything alone. It is in the space of solitude that repression can happen. Memory is construction. We collect information from what happened at an event, attempting to remember, based on our knowledge and expectations of the world, as well as our emotional starting point, among other factors. This construction can, if you have a little imagination, transform our recollection into a rather foggy picture. But if you remember new details, you can get more pictures until, put together, they seem like a little movie. It's as if you're imagining something. For example, envision yourself standing on your head in Times Square, which I don't suppose you've done, although I'm sure you're familiar with Times Square. And if you wish, you can construct an action where you jump around on your head between the cars. This is not a stored movie. It is a construction that you've made here and now, based on a lot of details. My name is Elijah Guo. I'm a writer, actor, and producer, and I've collaborated on this podcast as a scriptwriter. I personally think this podcast is important because it's a unique platform for examining how we relate to violence by asking participants to recount a film scene, pick a fictional character, explain their choice, and engage in discourse and reflection on temporary violence. This is clearly a relevant issue in society today, and has been for some time. My name is Tina Marie Jacobson. I'm an artist and educator. I made this project in order to have a platform for sharing our different experiences and understandings of violence without having to share 
our private stories. It is my hope that by listening to each other and these interviews, with an open mind that we can come to a deeper understanding of our own dark sides and how different our sensitivities to violence can be. I encourage you to try the method for yourself. You will now hear a series of interviews where I ask young people specific questions. After the interviews, these questions will be explained in detail and with guidelines. All the direct approach participants are asked the same questions to help them recollect a film scene memory. Hi, my name is Gallo Patel. And I'm 15 and I'm a sophomore at Stuyvesant High School. Cool. Thanks, Gallo. And thanks for joining me in this project and for letting me interview you. Um, so the first question is, um, can you tell me a little bit more about a violent film scene that you've seen? Yeah. So the, the film scene I chose was from Pulp Fiction. Uh, and it's a scene in which the Samuel L. Jackson character and the John Travolta character break into this guy's apartment. They interrogate him. Uh, and then they eventually kill him when his information is no longer useful. What what information? Uh, it's it's something about their boss. Uh, I don't, to be honest, I don't remember specifically what the information was. It was the violence that stuck with me. And how how do how do do the characters look? Yeah, so um, the Samuel L. Jackson character and the Travolta character are both wearing black suits. Uh, and then the victim, I believe he's with a friend as well. Uh, both of them are just wearing casual clothing. How many people are in that apartment? Um, it's two originally, but when they break in, it's four. What do you mean? Um, oh. I, I, I think they break into the apartment <laughs> when they when they want to interrogate this guy. Oh, now I get it. You added the, the people who are there already with the two other people. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Okay, I didn't get it. Now I get it. Okay, okay. Four total. All right, all right. I'm trying to imagine, like, what happens in the scene, like, as if I'm blind. Um, how do they get in? To be honest, I don't remember entirely, but I'd imagine they break in. Um, and they kick the door down or something. All right, okay, okay. Um, is it daytime or nighttime? Uh, I think it's sometime in the afternoon. And how does the apartment look? Uh, it's a small apartment. I think it's fairly messy. Um, there's a there's a living room, and then there's a kitchen behind that, and then the door opens into the living room, and I believe one of the guys is sitting on the couch, and the other one is sitting in a chair. And how how does the couch look? Um, it's like a pretty old couch. I... I don't know, but I want to say that it was green. And the kitchen, does it have a color? Um, I think the paint is kind of like peeling away, but maybe yellow. And the wallpaper? I have no idea. <laughs> Just a plain it's totally wallpaper. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, the two characters that break in, how, how do they look besides having this suit on? Um, I mean, they're very professional. Uh, it's obvious that they've done this before. Um, I mean, they both look, they're like cool characters. Um, they're very smooth. And the way they interrogate this guy, they, uh, they have a lot of perceptual dominance, um, both because of just the way they speak uh, and because of the fact that they both have guns. 
Do you remember what they are saying? Yeah, I think they want the uh, victim, the guy sitting on the couch, to describe their boss. Um, and he's doing that, and he's constantly interrupting him. The guy is obviously terrified. He's crying. He's breaking down. He can barely get words out. And um, as he's speaking, the Samuel L. Jackson character, who's the one doing most of the interrogation, shoots his friend who's sitting on the couch. Um, and he says something along the lines of, yeah, sorry, did I break your concentration? Uh, I, forgive me if that's wrong. I know it's a pretty famous line. Um, and then once he decides that he is going to kill that guy, the guy, not the one that he already shot, the one that was sitting in the chair, uh, he starts reciting scripture. I don't remember exactly what it was from, but when he finishes reciting it, um, he shoots the guy several times. I think the John Travolta character participates as well. All right, now I have several questions. Okay. Do you remember how he describes the boss that you're talking about? Um, I just remember like a tall, big, bald guy. Um, I think they're really pressing him for information. I don't remember exactly why, um, but they're trying to get him to describe their boss. And the scripture that he's reading from, do you remember any words, any sentences? I think maybe, you know, I'll strike you down with the wrath of God, something along those lines, but I can't remember. And do you know what kind of scripture it is? Um, something from the Bible. Okay. Before they break in, before they kick in the door, what happens before the scene starts? Do you remember that? How do they get to the apartment? I, I want to say that they drive there. There's a scene in which they're driving there and then they walk up and then they break into the apartment. Um, but I, I don't remember for sure. That's the scene, only scene that I really vividly remember. So what's the what about the other character, the John Travolta character? What is he doing in the scene? Um, I think he helps the Samuel L. Jackson character break in uh, and he walks into the kitchen And he's kind of watching the entire thing. He's letting the uh, Sam Jackson character do the interrogation. Um, and once he finishes reading the scripture, he participates in shooting this guy. And he's what is he doing in the kitchen? Um, I want to say he's like reading a book. He's being very, very casual. Um, and he's kind of not paying attention until that final scene with the scripture. If you should describe the movements, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson and um, John Travolta, how are they moving? They're both very relaxed. Um, I think they're both kind of... I, the, the Samuel L. Jackson character is standing up. Uh, these two guys are on the couch. And then the John Travolta character is on the countertop. He's kind of leaning on the countertop, reading a book or something like that. Both of them are very relaxed and confident. You said they seemed like professionals. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they work for some mobster, so they've done this a couple times. And what what part of their behavior made you say that they seemed professional? I just because they were so casual, like nothing shocked them. They were totally okay with killing this character. What happens after they shoot the guy? I do not remember. I think I think maybe there's a cutscene. Um, It cuts, and then they're somewhere else. I cannot tell you what happens after that, though. I don't really remember. But how does the scene end? 
Uh, I believe it ends with after they just finish shooting this guy and it kind of just fades to black and it opens on a new scene. And is John Travolta saying anything? I don't think he ever says anything. Is there any sounds besides the speaking? I know there is a lot of music in the movie, but in that scene specifically, I don't remember any music. Uh, I think you just hear the victim crying and whimpering. You hear uh, Sam Jackson's voice, and then you hear the gunshots. And do you remember how the victim is, like, whimpering? Is he saying anything particular? I mean, um, I think he's just struggling to get words out. He's terrified. He sees his friend die. He gets shot in the shoulder uh, beforehand, before they actually kill him. Um, I mean, it's almost as if, you know, Quentin Tarantino is making fun of the victim, sort of. Um, you're almost laughing at him because you want to root for these cool guys in suits. Um, so he doesn't really have a personality. Um, he has no autonomy whatsoever in the scene. Did that affect you when you watched it? I think it made it harder to symp sympathize with him because you're not seeing him as a human being. You're just seeing him sort of a as a means to an end, uh, someone who they can use to depict violence, but he doesn't really matter. His experience doesn't matter. So which the, is it because his character is not described so well, or can you say, yeah, can you say a little bit more? Yeah, about his that? character is, is not fleshed out whatsoever. Um, his role in the movie is as a victim, as someone who's terrified, as someone who's you know not strong, and someone who dies a death that's not very dignified. And now I heard you brought up the the victim term, which is also part of the project. Is yeah, to, for sure. To um, The third question is kind of, now that you've described this film scene, I would be curious to know how you, who you would say is the perpetrator and who is the victim and who is the bystander in this scene. If you were to use those categories, who would you call what? Sure. Um, I mean, the victim, there's two victims, really, because there's the guy that they're after and his friend. Uh, the friend doesn't really matter at all. I don't think he has a single line before he's shot. Um, and the, the victim is obviously the guy sitting on the couch. Yeah, I said that already. Uh, the perpetrators, I think both Travolta and the Sam Jackson character, um, maybe the Sam Jackson character a little bit more because he's the one speaking the entire time. It feels as if the Travolta character is sort of a bystander until he participates in the shooting of the victim. And if you... If you were to play or identify with one of these characters, and maybe I would make the film with you, um, who would you then play? Hmm. I, I think it would be easiest to play the Travolta character because you don't really have to adopt the mindset of a perpetrator or a victim. You're kind of just acting with the perpetrator, but you're not speaking at all. You don't develop any sort of connection to the victim whatsoever. Um, but I think it'd be very interesting to play the victim because that's often a difficult role to play. It's difficult to get into the mindset of a victim. And especially in this movie, Tarantino didn't want to humanize this guy at all. Um, you know, he didn't want to give him a personality. He's simply a, a coward, a victim, someone who's whimpering, someone who can barely get words out. Um, and to play that role without giving them any humanity whatsoever Uh, would definitely be a challenge, but it'd be interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. um, you kind of already answered why you would play him. 
um, why why would you not play uh, the perpetrator? Um, I don't I don't have anything necessarily against playing the perpetrator, but I think too often we're um, conditioned to want to be the perpetrator, whether that's in a movie like this or in a superhero movie or in like in Michael Bay movie, like an action movie or something. We are drawn towards these violent, overly violent characters who we see as super cool, who there's little you know figurines of, um, whereas no one ever wants to be the victim. So I think trying out that role um, would be unique and different. Let's imagine that this scene that you saw, what if it had been uh, real um, and you were that real victim in reality and somebody broke into your house? How would you have reacted? What would you do? You know, I I can't say I would have reacted differently. Um, I mean, obviously, this guy has a whole life. Um, you know, he has friends, he has family members, people that care about him. But in that situation, I would be terrified. Two guys breaking into my house, both with guns, pointing the guns at me. I would, you know, I would try to save myself. I would try to answer his questions, but... Ultimately, I can't say whether I'd be able to get the words out. Um, and I can't say I'd react any differently than this guy does. So isn't it the way that Tarantino has actually depicted the victim is actually realistic? I think it's realistic on a surface level in that I can see someone reacting like that. But the fact that that's all you see, you only see this guy in you know a moment of terror and... Um, You know, he's super scared and whatnot. He can barely get words out. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the only depiction of a victim that's out there. And I don't think it's necessarily a fair depiction of a victim because a victim's a human just as much as the perpetrators are. Um, and when, when when you only see them in a moment like this, you fail to recognize their humanity, You know, their status as like a free-thinking individual. Um, so I think whether or not this is an accurate depiction is sort of irrelevant. It's just the fact that this is the only depiction that Tarantino uses, um, distracts from the fact that this is a violent murder scene against someone who's largely innocent, um, because you're only focusing on how, you know, how stupid they look when they can't get words out, when they're crying. Um, so yeah. How, how could Tarantino have shown him differently if you you if you had the chance now to say tarantino you got to change that role you got to write him some lines or what would you or he can do something what would you make him do well i think that's a difficult question in that pulp fiction most tarantino films are satire you know he's satirizing violence he's making a parody of violence um the sort of neo-noir um depiction of violence um, so I think that is sort of intrinsic to his philosophy as a movie maker. Um, I don't think it would be the same movie if you try to humanize the victim. Uh, but at the same time, you know, in his attempts to take some moral high ground because, oh, this is satire, you know, I'm actually I'm not actually making money off violence. I'm making money off satire and how clever I am. Uh, and my great use of dialogue or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, the people watching these movies aren't really thinking along those lines. I mean, some are, 
but I certainly wasn't. I'm looking at this movie and I'm like, these characters are cool. I want to be like these characters. I want to buy, you know, figurines of these characters. Um, and Quentin, T- I mean, Tarantino must know that he's commodifying violence just as a superhero movie does um, and or an action movie does or a horror movie does. Uh, he's doing the same thing because his audience doesn't necessarily care that it's satirical. They see the violence and they think it's cool. Um, and the fact that he's trying to distance himself from other movies uh, with this facade of it being satire, uh, with this facade of it, you know, um, being some somehow more intellectual um, is sort of ridiculous in that he's exploiting the same tendencies and he's... Um, He's, um, like, connecting to this yearning for violence that we have, this um, sort of sick obsession with violence that the media capitalizes on and that a lot of movies capitalize on. I'm going to throw in an improvised question here. Sure. Um, What if Tarantino's films, films in general, or just Pulp Fiction, would Mm -hmm. become a cartoon how would you view that whole sentence? Would you view that sentence differently? I don't think so. Um, it's still violence. They're still meant to depict people. I, I don't think there's that much of a difference between, you know, a fake character who's played by an actor killing someone and a fake character who's played by a voice actor killing someone. So no, I don't, I don't think there'd be a difference. I'm asking you because I think that you're talking so much about satire and then I come, I start thinking about political satire and um, moments where we can't show a real person. We often or we often see that uh, the person has then been depicted as a character, a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, do you, what, what do you think about that? In the general question, we might take this out, but I'm just curious about your opinion about that. Yeah, the shift, sure. The shift from a real picture of, I'm not going to mention the name, I don't want to mention, but <laughs> like just in general, um, <laughs> like a picture of, of somebody, um, like a dictator, any dictator, there's lots of them. Uh, and then we do something bad to that dictator, but then we do it on cartoon. What's, what are the differences between these, the real and the, and the satire, the fiction? Sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm not critiquing satire. Um, I'm critiquing the fact that Quentin Tarantino hides behind satire to cover up the fact that with his films, he's indulging in the sick fantasy and he's still catering towards, you know, young people for the most part that think these characters are cool. Uh, he's still making money off the violence that he uses. Um, and at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Um, his intent is kind of irrelevant in this case because he's still capitalizing on, you know, impressionable minds and he's still conditioning them towards thinking, you know, violence is cool. How could he make it more complex or intellectual or, yeah, complex meaning critical? Um, I mean, I don't... I think if he wants to do this, um, his movies are good. Like, I'll I'll say that much. Um, So would you watch it again? I think I probably would. I mean, there's all these questions I have, things I don't remember, so I do that. Um, Are you I, yearning to watch it after we've stopped this interview? I, sure, yeah. I just want to, um, you know, connect the dots between what I've seen and I want to compare that scene to what I remember. Um, but I think 
if Quentin Tarantino wants to make a more accurate depiction of violence, um, I think he has to make the perpetrators flawed, deeply flawed individuals, because that's often who real-life perpetrators of violence are. And he has to humanize these victims. Um, he doesn't need to make them like perfect angels. He can, you know, depict their flaws just as much, but he has to he has to make us resonate with them and understand them and feel sympathy for them and be able to put ourselves put ourselves in their shoes. Um, I think if he wants to do what he's doing, that's fine, but he has to acknowledge that the, at the end of the day, there's not really a difference between what he's doing in like a horror movie. Um, and if he truly wants to interrogate violence, um, he has to give humanity to all these characters. He can't just make the perpetrators these perfect, super cool characters. Um, he has to acknowledge that they are, they are flawed. Um, he has to show them making mistakes. And um, he has to give more autonomy to the um, victims. Yeah, they're like flat. They're prestige. Yeah. They're consumer prestige. Entirely. Um, does the the violence depicted reflect society today, do you think? Like, if yes, how? If no, why not? Yeah, sure. Um, I would say no. I mean, I think when you say society, um, that can mean a lot of things. But um, I'm thinking of the most common instances of violence, um, whether that be something like murder or simple, like, abuse or something, I think what separates Tarantino's depiction and the actual act of violence is that both sides of that violent action are extremely complex individuals um, with a bunch of connections, with different thoughts, with different feelings, both characters who make mistakes, both characters who do good things. Um, and Tarantino's depiction is rather flat It's very surface level, um, and violence is an incredibly complicated, um, deeply embedded thing in society that I don't think one movie um, can entirely interrogate, but they can certainly do a better job if that is his goal. Yeah, I'm wondering now what Tarantino will think about this if he ever <laughs> hears this. <laughs> um, um, back to how, how long ago did you say you watched the scene? I don't remember exactly. I want to say three years, maybe. Mm -hmm. My reaction was that of, I think, most people who watch the film. It was like, wow, that's a lot of violence. Jeez, I'm kind of taken aback. But those characters are pretty cool. Like, you know, in some fantasy of mine, I am that character, which is a little disturbing. Um, but I think it... That character, sorry, um, that character in the couch? No, no, no. The, oh. the perpetrators, ah. the Travolta, Jackson... Because they're just so cool, they're so level-headed. Um, but I think it's definitely disturbing that that's the character that I wanted to be. That's the character that most people want to be. And I think that's where Tarantino's logic of, oh, it's just satire. You know, I'm showing this much violence to make fun of violent movies. I think that's where that logic sort of fails. What do you think, like, so in general, like, this project is all about, like, having reflections and, and analyzing what we're watching and mm -hmm. which you clearly uh, have done. And, like, what what would you say to other young listeners that are watching the film? Like, ha what's the difference? When can we enjoy watching 
violent movies um and and when should we be careful about watching them what is like where's the line between that uh for sure i mean i don't think violent movies are necessarily a bad thing um but with young people especially people that are you know like not teenagers yet uh i think there is a move reason we have movie ratings um their minds are super impressionable and i think it's it's a bad thing to have them idolizing these super violent characters uh from an early age um i'm not saying not to see these movies uh i think they're you know they can be good movies um but i think you do have to acknowledge that this is not real violence um violent people are not this cool violent people are flawed and that victims are not just these characters that are meaningless um that are kind of just their identity is that they are a victim they are human beings they are complex characters um and i think if we go into violent movies acknowledging that taking a step back um i think we can enjoy them and i think there's less less of this commodification um and you know idolizing that's going on have you ever experienced that in school that teachers would talk to you about these popular movies um maybe maybe not teachers necessarily uh but definitely in like lower school we would pretend to be superheroes and we we fight and what not uh pretending to be these superheroes pretending to be these super super violent characters um which you know is is slightly disturbing i think at the end of the day it's harmless but i think those kind of practices can lead to negative things in the future How how what would your advice be to someone who's your age or maybe a little bit younger who is watching this violence and who might not be able to distinguish between the fiction and reality? I mean because we are I mean me personally I'm super affected when I look at a film I kind of slightly want to be them if I watch a horror movie then I think thank god that's not me and I go out and feel better <laughs> about yeah. it afterwards. But what how do we deal with Um, when a person is watching it and they're over-identifying with it? Um, hmm, I mean, it is about taking a step back. It's um, separating your life, reality, from that movie, uh, acknowledging the purpose of that movie, which, you know, there may be some artistic influence, but the purpose of that movie is to make money, and you have to acknowledge that. And every instance of violence that you do see, you have to think about why, why did the director make that choice why is he showing this sort of violence how is he trying to tap into my mind um and i think if you're doing that whilst watching one of these movies you can enjoy it you can criticize the movie um and maybe it, it's not necessarily that it won't affect you as much um but you'll maybe connect with these characters less or you'll recognize that these are movie characters these are not real people um and real people are affected by violence and it's much more complex than what i'm seeing and then the last question how are you violent as a person how am i violent um well i i think there are definitely degrees of violence um i think at the top you have things like structural violence systems that are violent against certain groups of people um and then and then i think you have physical violence after that like killing someone or assaulting someone and i mean hopefully i don't uh <laughs> i don't see myself as violent in those ways but certainly i can think violent thoughts i can want to punch someone if i'm super angry 
want to punch the wall if I'm super angry. Um, I might say violent things that uh, I regret later. So I can't honestly say that I'm not a violent person. Um, I just, I think there are degrees of violence. And in some instances, yes, you can call what I'm doing violent. Um, but that is very different than other sorts of violence. You're very healthy because you admit that you're violent. Because, I mean, I'm also planting the question because yeah, I think sure. we are intrinsically all violent. And so, of course, I'm tricking a little bit mm -hmm. with that question. Um, I want to talk more system violence with you and structural violence <laughs> and all this, but we are out of time. And um, I'll just say I would like to thank you for analyzing the film from another perspective and questioning um, Tarantino's satire. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All the speakers were asked the same questions to help them recollect their film scenes from memory. Here are the questions, along with some guidelines on how to properly utilize them. One, what is the most violent film scene that you've ever watched? Two, tell me more. This may include more detailed questions, such as, how does the scene begin and end? What time of day did the scene take place? In what sort of setting did it take place? What did the perpetrator, victim, and bystander look like? How did the perpetrator, victim, and bystander move? What were they wearing? How did they look, including age, hair, eye color, etc.? What do you remember about sound effects and soundtrack? Do you remember any specific words spoken in the scene? What other details do you remember? What happened next? This last follow-up is particularly useful, because even if, as an interviewer, you think that the whole film scene has been described in ample detail, such questions may prompt the participant to remember more about the scene. By asking them what happened next, they may believe that something else happened. 3. If you had to play the victim, perpetrator, or bystander, which role would you choose? 4. Why? The participant's insertion into and interaction with their film scene is a crucial part of the direct approach practice because it allows them to engage with their memory of this act of violence in a proactive and perhaps reformative manner. It may allow them to find the inner truth, meaning, or relevance of the scene to their own life. 5. Would you act the same way if you were in that situation? This may include more detailed questions, such as, When and with whom did you watch the film scene? What made you watch the whole film scene? Would you watch it again? In what way are you violent as a person? Can you say something positive about violence? Most people answer that they are not violent in any way, but the project invites them to reflect on this. Also, to say something positive about violence is to define when you think it is okay to use violence. This is a very important question for all of us to consider and discuss the answer to. 6. Does the violence depicted reflect society today? If yes, how? If no, why not? This question is an effective way to expand their interaction with the scene into a broader worldview. However, they will arrive at this point most effectively only after having first delved into their personal relationship to the scene via the previous questions. Some guidelines for when you set up the interview are to make sure the participants do not try to depict with 100% accuracy the film scene that the interview is about, simply in order to give a better interview. Remind the speakers that the conversation is public. It can be very personal to talk about violent experiences and opinions, 
and participants can very easily share private stories. This project offers the film scene as a protective shield. The interviewers should never interrupt the participants. Be a patient and accepting listener. Turn the focus away from your own ego in order to concentrate your attention on the participants and their stories. Never interrupt or finish their sentence. Ask neutral questions in order not to affect their memory. For instance, instead of asking, is the car blue? Ask, what color was the car? I hope listening to this experience has been illuminating for you as you consider the role of violence in the media and society. And now, of course, I want to know, what scene would you choose? If you want to book a direct approach workshop, please email contact at direct-approach.org. Direct Approach is supported by the Danish Arts Foundation.